Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Today, we are going to be completing Pedic Shlishi, the third chapter of the incredible Sha'ar HaBetochen. And this will, in a sense, be a turning point, as in the future, we're now going to, Emirat Hashem, chart out the details of where and how the concept of Betochen, our Torah true trust, and Hashem applies. It's all about reliance. It's not about what you do. It's about what you're thinking. That does sound counterintuitive. After all, <laughs> Judaism teaches when it comes to mitzvahs, the deed. Now, that's our creed. Even if somebody doesn't have the best of intentions, even if a person isn't high-minded or viewing things with a lofty, mystical, or spiritual perspective, the very fact that somebody might do what Hashem asks of them, you know, just like perform a mitzvah, that's meaningful. And today, we're going to discover a very different dimension of our Yiddishkeit, an area of our life where intentions literally make all the difference. Welcome to the Reliant. Today's class or episode has been generously sponsored by our dear friend and show member, Ami Meshlish to honor the memory of his dear departed wife, a very scholarly, profound and insightful woman, Dalia, or as she was originally named, Dalal, the daughter of Moshe, may her neshama have an aliyah. She very much enjoyed participating in these Torah classes, and I hope that on high, she continues to have nachas from the Torah that's being studied, especially today as it's dedicated in her loving memory. We learned about mindset. You have, to, you have to train yourself to view the actions you take, the things you engage in, in order to make a living, with an elevated perspective. You have to view it as a fulfillment of the will of Hashem. You know, in our previous episode, I thought that the information was very much uplifting, very much inspirational, even empowering. As I said yesterday, that's because when a person imagines his or her efforts to be, if not of overriding importance, but to be of significant importance, to be contributive towards the end result. So when you work really hard, you feel good. You made this happen. 
take ownership. You feel a sense of possession and accomplishment. And yet we've been learning that from a faith perspective, and I understand that some of our listeners may not buy into this, or at least not at this point. That's fine. I'm not telling you what to do. If you're watching Live With Certainty, one of two things is possible. Either you're interested in learning more about faith and trust in Hashem, I suppose, to consider making it a part of your life, or because you believe strongly, you want to make this a part of your life, you just don't know how to. I'll put myself in the latter category. I think I believe very strongly in Hashem, but I didn't really know how to download that faith into a real-time program. And I'm learning this together with you, day by day. I'm broadening my horizons and understanding things as really as I've never understood them before. It's almost embarrassing. But then again, <laughs> the most important thing is to keep growing in our Yiddishkeit, not to focus on our shortcomings or failings of the past, but rather what we can and the Ezra Hashem will accomplish in the future. So we learned that what gets accomplished isn't really yours. That is to say, if you make a lot of money, it's not because you're very smart, worked really hard, we're strategic, focused, and diligent. You have to do all those things, but not because it produces the results. The results, they come from God. So you mean I wasted my time? No, says Rebbeinu Bachaya. If you have the right mindset, you'll understand that you're fulfilling a mitzvah. And then he added, niskar. You'll also save on this or earn this reward. Then in doing so, whether you did or didn't succeed, you did the right thing. So that's an edifying feeling. I made the effort. I did the right thing. It wasn't destined to, to make a profit. That's fine. It doesn't have to make a profit. I had to do my part. And the rest is in Hashem's hands. In today's episode, we're going to address a fundamental and critical problem with, with what seems to be almost like a a collision. There seems to be a, a veritable contradiction between what I'm doing and what the truth is. I'm supposed to work hard. I'm supposed to make my best efforts. I'm not supposed to engage in commerce with my eyes closed. I'm supposed to have my thinking cap on. I'm supposed to have my guard up. Supposed to be utilizing every ounce of wit, wisdom, and wherewithal. Because it makes a difference? Nah, it doesn't make a difference. It doesn't make a difference. Because it's the right thing to do. Let's be honest with ourselves. You see somebody make whether it's a lot of money or great achievement. You don't think they get credit. You don't think that they're 
diligent, focused. May they earn the success. Sure, there's some people who work hard and they aren't successful. Okay, I mean, like, you know, that's Murphy. You know, stuff happens. But when somebody worked hard and was successful, they get credit for it. And we should celebrate their achievements. We believe in celebrating people's achievements. Whether it's the Oscars, the Emmys. Come on, we're like... These award ceremonies are celebrating people's careers and people's efforts. Yeah, there was other people who were just as gifted and just as talented and just as capable and just as good-looking. For some reason, they didn't have luck. Okay, they didn't have luck, but this person gets the credit. We do think that way. Let's be honest with ourselves. When you regale people with stories of your success, we've all had success. We've all worked hard or smart, or both, and seen success. And you tell people, you know what I did? I did A, I did B, I did C, I did E. It was amazing. I really had my wits together this time. And it produced such and such results. People will study the strategy of successful people. They'll analyze various cases to learn how to be successful. It's a whole science, a whole discipline. We all tend to think that way. And that seems to be on collision course with this faith perspective, where nothing you do actually makes a difference. None of the success is really yours. We say this paying lip service. Yeah, of course, it says it, you know, everything comes from Hashem and little me. I shared the vignette a couple episodes ago, and I'll, I'm going to share it again because I, I think it actually makes a salient point. So the story is told that the Model T Ford arrives at a shtetl, some hamlet in Eastern Europe, and the farmers, the peasants, they come out and they're, they're going to be seeing this phenomenon they've heard about. And the driver of the vehicle gets out and explains the technology of the day and how combustion works and how you have the gasoline, there's an engine and the engine's powered by the combustion of the, of the energy of the fuel and how the car works. And, and after giving them this whole little speech, he actually drives the car and they're seeing it. It's like, you can't deny it, it's a fact. So the story goes that after the, the Model T drove off, one peasant says to the other, what do you say? I mean, this is, this is impressive. This is, uh, it looks good. He said, yeah. Listen, I heard everything he said. Trust me. He's got a couple of little horses that are hidden under that hood. We're like that foolish villager. We're like that peasant. We, we, we hear about this whole sophisticated science of faith and religion, and, and we have ample proof of it with so many people who failed, who shouldn't have, and so many people who succeeded, who shouldn't have, at least not by any stretch or yardstick that we can muster. And yet we say, well, yes, but. 
But realistically, right, you've heard that people say, realistically speaking, practically speaking, person says to you about emunah and betochen and faith and trust, they say, yeah, yeah, yeah. But practically speaking, you work hard, you succeed, you don't work hard, you fail. Sure, there are exceptions, there's luck, yeah, whatever, but, but that's not really what life's about. Well, it's not what life's about because Hashem doesn't want it to be about decadence, because Hashem wants us to toil and to work hard, and we talked about that to some, to some degree in a previous episode, and certainly addressed it in previous episodes, the, the things we discussed prior, but really and truly, it's not why we have success. And here, I think, is the crux of the issue. If you live with a sense of certitude about everything that we've discussed, and you, you kind of believe that your actions don't make a difference, well, you stop trying. <laughs> that's, that's human nature. No matter how lofty it might sound, human nature is such that it's going to inhibit your efforts. You're not going to make real efforts. Why? Because it makes no difference, that's why. If people were going to get passing grades, regardless of how well they do at their studies, would they really study? Why bother? You could say to them, I'm giving you all an A-plus anyway, but I want you to study. And they say, oh yeah, don't you worry, we're going we're to study. We're not doing it for the grades, we're doing it because you want to study. In the real world, it doesn't work like that. We all need motivation. We all need to think that we're accomplishing something. Many people in the new generation haven't yet got the memo, but communism doesn't work. You cannot take people's ambitions away. You cannot not reward work and expect people to work. If people are going to have whatever it might be without their effort or toil, then they won't make any effort and they won't toil. And in fact, communism goes bankrupt. The poorest countries in the world were all the communist countries. How well is Cuba doing? Still communist. People barely have their meager needs. Venezuela was one of the richest countries in this hemisphere. No longer. Communism doesn't work because it's counterintuitive to human nature. It professes a, a high-mindedness that not only did not elevate or make people loftier, but enabled them to act on their worst instincts. The same jealousies, the same small-mindedness, the same, the same anger, the same arrogance, only now dressed in raiments of righteousness. I am uh, saving humanity. This is, this is the uprising of the poor and the downtrodden, the worker who's been abused by the bourgeois for all these centuries. And they did the same exact thing, and in fact, far worse. All right, so this is, I mean, you either agree or don't agree with that, and if you're a communist, I'm sorry if I offended you. 
not really, actually. But anyway, the bottom line is, what does that have to do with what we're learning here in Shara B'Tochan? I, I think everything, actually. Everything. And I'll tell you why. Because if my efforts don't make a difference, why should I make an effort? Rabbeinu B'chai is going to address this now. Perhaps if you, if you want, you can come at this from another, another side. Because like, uh, the unfortunate reality is none of us have such strong emune and betochen. And we tend to err on the side of the peasant who believes there's a little horse inside the wagon. Under the hood. So we say, yeah, 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 sure, faith, belief, I pledge allegiance. But I know that my hard work earned me the money. Like, I, I, I know what the rabbi is saying. I know it's very nice, beautiful Torah ideas. Of course, I believe in the Torah, of course, of course. But I know the truth. The truth is, I made the money. It's mine. How many wealthy people do you know that are absolutely humble and says, it's just your money like it's my money. It's not, it's not my money. Hashem gave it to me to share with you. I, I don't even know why I have this. You know anybody like that? There's very, very few people like that. It's, 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 it doesn't jibe with human nature. <laughs> In case you didn't get the memo yet, human nature was meant to be engineered and transcended, not celebrated. That is to say, if people are small-minded, jealous, arrogant, selfish, the list goes on. By nature, those are natures that were made by Hashem so that we should get past that nature. And God gave every one of us a different concoction of challenges. And He gave us all exactly the inner strength, the conviction that we need to overcome it. Not one ounce more, but also not one ounce less. I say that from a perspective of faith. It's very hard for us to see it, certainly when it comes to our own challenges. But we must believe it, because Hashem says so in His Torah. And if we aren't succeeding, it's because we didn't try hard enough. As per the maxim, Yagaiti, I tried I didn't succeed. If it's about Yiddishkeit, if it's about our endeavors in Avodat Hashem, Al Tamen. Not believable. Yeah, I don't have to try hard. I overcame all my challenges. I'm doing fantastic. I found success, the success that I was ordained to reach without effort. It's not believable. From a faith perspective, I mean, from a logical perspective, one could easily adopt that viewpoint and say, I'm ahead of everybody else. I'm doing great. From a faith perspective, Tamen, Emuna, no. Sorry, we, we can't embrace that from a faith perspective. The only thing we are allowed to embrace from a faith perspective is, Yagaiti, I toiled and worked, Umatsasi, and that led to success. Tamen, this is in Yiddishkeit endeavors. This is in the engineering of our personality quirks and deficiencies. This is in our efforts in the direction of Torah study. This is in the amount of strength or, or might or, or soul that we pour into our prayers. So that's in our hands. 
Because Hakobi de Shomayim, everything's in God's hands, with one exception, and that's spiritual endeavor. But outside of spiritual endeavor, no matter how hard you work or don't work, it's not going to be the barometer of your success. But we do work hard, and many of us are ambitious. And because of our ambitions, and because we're driven by a vision of some kind of success, and everybody has their own vision of success. For some people, it's a, a lot of money in the bank account and being able to fly under the radar, do the things you want without being bothered by others. For some people, they don't really care about the buying power as long as they can look good in the eyes of others and as long as it can seem as if they're important. It's not any holier or more crass. It's just different selfish ambitions. But we all have ambitions. We're all born with a desire to achieve what we think, what we envision or see to be the picture of success. And we work hard to get there. At least many of us do. Many of us are industrious. We work really hard. And if we're successful, with God's help, with the successful, we say, yeah, I, can, I work really hard. That's why I'm successful. Oh, by the way, I mean, God was good to me. Of course I could have worked hard and not succeeded, of course. But, but it's because I worked hard. But if our viewpoint, if our mindset is along the lines of yesterday's teaching, and I'll have to refer you to go back, if you haven't seen it, go back and watch the previous episode. If that's our mindset, says Rabbeinu Bechaye, then, then, then your hard work will in no way infringe or diminish your faith, your trust in Hashem. So the goal here is to keep our betoch and shalem. Shalem means intact, complete, perfect. We want to have perfect betochen reliance in Hashem. But how can I have perfect betochen when I feel that my work, my, my effort, my toil makes the difference? And if I don't feel like my effort or toil makes a difference, I won't work hard. Well, if you adopt the mindset that was articulated and illustrated in yesterday's episode, you follow Rabbeinu Baha'i's advice in viewing the effort that has to be made as absolutely mandatory because Hashem makes it mandatory. So yes, you must do it. You must be motivated, not by your own selfish desire to achieve your vision or definition of success, but by your soul's aspiration to fulfill its mission. We all want to fulfill our mission. We all want to know that we succeeded at life. By the way, dying with the most toys is not the definition of success at life. Never has a man or woman on their deathbed said, I wish I had more toys. If only I could be leaving a larger volume of stocks and bonds and boats and homes behind, I feel much better about life. But you know, didn't make that wealth for my children to fight about, so ah, life was a failure. Nobody ever said that, because it's not what life's really about. There's an expression in the Gemara, in other Meshata, Bishas Moto, people don't speak frivolously or stupidly when they're looking at the last moments of life. It's moments of truth. 
So how do I, how do I keep that? How do I keep that focus? And how does the nature of what looks to us, what appears to us to be hard work equaling success, how does that not in some way subtract or diminish or, or in any way kind of impact the betachen that we're trying to achieve? So Rabbeinu Bechaya says, if you will only have that mindset, and then he uses some very strong verbiage here. You will not be hurt in the pursuit, in the process. The process of seeking out a living is dangerous. You can get hurt. You're playing with fire. Because, because human nature is that when we succeed, we feel good about ourselves. We think, I did this. That's the danger or the test of wealth, affluence, and success. It goes to your head. It's just like we all know the adage that power corrupts people and absolute power corrupts absolutely. I don't know if it's precisely so. I think Hobbes, John Hobbes is the one who coined that phraseology. He's a brilliant English writer, and I don't know if it's absolutely true, but it is logical and it kind of makes sense. It's human nature. You don't have to be a prophet to understand human nature. You have to be a human being to understand human nature. And Thomas Hobbes was a human being. He understood human nature. He was a clever, insightful human being. He said, take a look. You give people power, they become corrupted by it. So absolute power must corrupt you absolutely. Now, I know that this is true because Torah places a whole slew of special mitzvah mandates on the melech, who's the person granted absolute power. Clearly, there's a danger. He davens a different kind of shmonasri amidah. He must bow his head and exhibit greater submission to Hashem. He's got to walk around holding a Torah scroll because he's in danger. He's in danger of being corrupted. Now, Having said all of this, we're all in danger of being corrupted, corrupted by our success, corrupted by our efforts that pay off sometimes. You made the effort, it went well, it goes to your head. How do you protect yourself from that without becoming a lazy and decadent person? The answer is the mindset. It doesn't have to damage you. The pursuit that you have to engage in to bring home your prosperity, your livelihood at all. It doesn't have to as long as you have the right intentions. This could be like a trivia question. Which thing that we do is entirely in the hands of intention. Which good thing, which mitzvah that we do is all about intention. And without the proper intention, it's not a mitzvah. You'll stump most people because 
the 613 mitzvahs, certainly the 248 positive mitzvahs, are all things that have to be done. But Rabbeinu B'chayi introduced us to this overarching mitzvah perspective, namely, we've got to work hard. We've got to be diligent, not decadent. We have to, we have to toil. We have to invest real efforts, not sit back and relax. That's what Hashem wants us to do. But if you do it motivated by greed, or selfish ambition, you'll get hurt in the process. It will diminish, if not demolish your betochen. Because instead of believing or relying on God, you start to believe in and rely on yourself. And that's a recipe for disaster. And so the great Rebbe Bechaya says, that if a person lives this way, when in his heart and in his conscience, he's he's doing these things for the sake of heaven, I'm toiling and I'm working, I'm doing all the right things because Hashem tells me to. Incidentally, the same thing can apply to precautions people might take because they're afraid of contagion or illness. What's the Torah perspective? Do all the things you're supposed to do. Because they'll save you? Nothing is a guarantee. Even the people who swear by the masks know that N95s only provide 95% protection. Shh. Nobody likes to talk about it. That's the best mask available. Just 95%. So, well, statistically, when you throw a coin in the air, it's 50-50. Throw it 10 times, throw it 20 times, throw it 50 times, get heads 50 times. The 51st time, it's still a 50-50 chance. So you can be frozen by fear, paralyzed by, by the terrors out there. What's the answer? We live by faith, not fear. Should I be reckless? Anyway, Hashem is the one who decides. No. Well, why not? Because Hashem says, don't be reckless. That's why. Hashem says, you should take all kinds of precautions. Okay, I'll take the precautions. Not because the precautions are going to guarantee anything. Hashem is my guarantee. I live with full certainty. I must live with no fears, no anxiety, no concerns, no uncertainty. But how can I be certain? I rely on Hashem. I place myself in Hashem's hands. I know that I must do my part because that's what I must do. And you can see two people, both taking precautions. One believes in the precautions, one believes in Hashem. One believes in what he calls science, and one believes that the creator of heaven and earth is the one who calls all the shots. The one who believes in Hashem can have absolute reliance, because God's absolute. The one who believes in science, well, it's a matter of numbers. He can be 95% sure. He still has that niggling 5% amount of doubt. You know, for things to be scientifically proven, for example, that Tylenol takes away your headache, it's never a guarantee. There's a tiny percentage of people for whom the placebo did not have an effect. So if 50 people got red sugar pills and 50 people got Tylenol 
and 40 people who got sugar pills said their headache went away, and 47 people who got Tylenol said their headache went away, then Tylenol is scientifically proven to be more effective than whatever's in your mind. You ever wonder about the 40 people? The 80% who didn't take the Tylenol but got rid of their headache? That's in their mind. The mind is a powerful thing. If you believe that something will work for you, oftentimes it does. Because Sashem placed incredible power within us, within our body. We just have to be certain of it. So if one is certain in Hashem, then that's the greatest certainty one could possibly achieve. And you'll say, so are there any guarantees? And if you don't believe in Hashem, are there more guarantees? At least I'm placing my reliance on something which is absolute. And as we learned, placing our betachon in Hashem is in and of itself a powerful act of devotion that brings forth blessing. You have to go back and watch previous episodes. This is uh, very, very richly and thoroughly documented. So let me, let me tell you how the Tov Halavonan understood these words of, of the Shara Betachon. It's, it's very unusual words. Talking about damaging. You know, if it causes damage, if it harms, if it detracts. Liyazikenu. Your efforts won't damage you. Who, who imagine that your efforts would damage things? Well, they could damage your faith. So the Teval Avonan puts it on a very, very simple level. He says, when a person's involved in various business or career-related pursuit, they're misbatal mitirose, so they're not doing something spiritual, like Torah study, like avodat Hashem. And there's a danger in that. We are influenced by the things we do. So if you spend... Most of your waking hours, or almost all of your waking hours, immersed in holiness. Hey, it's kind of hard to be unholy when you're immersed in holiness all the time. But when you're immersed in unholiness, in a dog-eat-dog world, it's kind of hard to maintain this puritanical, pious perspective on life. Says Tevalavanan, there's a danger in getting out into the workforce. He says, there is, that's true. But you can protect yourself. How so? By viewing everything you do as fulfillment of Hashem's will. So I'm doing a mitzvah. I'm going to work. I'm doing a mitzvah. Now this, of course, can be terribly abused by people. I had a conversation with somebody a while back. And I said to him, uh, he was telling me how you know, business is winding down insofar as his efforts is other people who are doing the work. Doesn't have to work as hard. And I said, oh, wow, so maybe uh, you can come and join us. Help with the minion in the morning. You know, when this craziness ends, we may come back to some classes. He said, please, going to work is my mitzvah. And I thought to myself, wow, that's so sad. Because we're going to learn today that going to work at the expense of the prayers that a Jew is required by the code of Jewish law, or the amount of Torah, which is a modicum, at least, of Torah study, that a person is required from a halachic perspective, is not a mitzvah. It's the opposite of a mitzvah, as we're going to learn. 
So when we say it's a mitzvah, it doesn't mean it's a mitzvah that supplants the other mitzvahs. And so, well, I can't be bothered. Ha'osek ba mitzvah patur min ha-mitzvah. They'll say, I'm involved in business. I can't learn Torah. I can't pray. I can't, I can't even keep Shabbat. I'm, I'm involved in making a living. The Baal Shem Tev once saw a man running at a show in the morning. And he said to him, where are you going? It's the middle of davening. The man said, Rebbe, I'm running to make a living. And the Baal Shem Tev said, interesting. To me, it looks like you're running away from making a living. That sounds strange to you? Stay with me. Let's, let's continue this. And we'll soon see if it actually sounds strange or it's a perfectly appropriate Shara Betachin attitude. So Toiva Lavana looks at it that way. He says, Af This too is Avaida. You did your part. You, 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 you davened with your minion, you davened, you were part of your daily davening, you learned your Torah, and you did the business. So that's what you are. That's your, your, the Zvulun tribe, so to speak. You're doing your part. So it's not going to damage you. Because you're doing a good thing. You take a look at the Neder Bakredash. He, he speaks about this a little bit differently. He understands the words of Rabbeinu Bachaya. He says, It won't damage. He says, no, no, no. He says, it won't damage the Betochen, he says. Because the opening statement is, He didn't say his soul will be complete. He didn't say his spiritual welfare will be complete. He said, His betochen, his trust in Hashem will be complete. So the Nehda Kodesh says, The damage won't be done. You will not be in any way damaging your betochen. Why not? Says the Nehda Kodesh. That is to say, it won't be seen as a lack of faith. All your hard work, all your investure of acumen and strategy and focus and commitment, diligence, all those important qualities that one should employ in the pursuit of a livelihood, in the fulfillment of whatever vocation or career you choose for your earthly occupation. So these things are not to become thought of as a diversion or as supplanting our faith in Hashem. Rock only, he says, It's not because of the pursuit that the success comes. Vada'i Hashem Yisbarach. It for sure is from God. So the reason that those efforts were successful was not because you were smart or diligent. It's because God decided to bless those efforts. As it says, and we've read this verse multiple times, Hashem will bless you. You have to do. So you're doing. Rabbeinu B'chaya mentioned this verse a little, just a little while ago, a few, a, few, a few sentences ago. You need to do. So you're doing your part. But Hashem brings the success. And when you view it that way, your hard work and your success will not damage or in any way make deficient your betachem. I'm, I'm just sharing with you the like, commentaries that I, that I have. The Marpila Nefesh says, even though 
Even though I'm in motion, I'm running after various forms of fulfillment of my, of my occupation. There's a, a masa omatna, a give and take, commerce. We're, we're, we're dealing, we're negotiating, and I'm doing it, letorfei, to bring home a profit so I can provide for my family a livelihood. That will not make deficiency. It won't, it won't result in a diminishment of your betachen. But, he says, only, uvilvad, that's only possible. It's only possible if you have the right attitude. It's the only way it's possible. When I read the, the writing of the Marpila Nefesh, what I hear him saying is, if you don't develop this mindset, if you don't have that viewpoint, if it doesn't become your Torah anshaung, instead of a velt anshaung, instead of looking at things in a worldly way, you have a, a Torah anshaung, a Torah worldview, a Torah view. If you don't make that Torah view your approach, your attitude, then you'll have a worldview. And your worldview will diminish from your neshama or, or, or Yiddishkeit view. It's, it, it's, it's a given. And I, I think what Mar Pelinef is saying is extremely logical. It's intuitive almost. What we're trying to achieve here is actually, by any stretch of imagination, entirely counterintuitive. It goes against every fiber in the fabric of, of our ambition, of our hard work, of our, of our natural mindset, of, of, of the way things look to us. It goes against all of that. That's okay. We're supposed to learn to go against. We're supposed to learn to swim against the stream. But the tide is very strong. And unless we make strong, powerful efforts to swim against the tide, we'll be swept away by it. Your betachen will go down the tubes. It can't not. Or at least it'll be severely impaired, damaged, blunted. It's, it's not possible otherwise. I really don't think there's another area of our, of our Yiddishkeit endeavor, another area of our you know, spiritual pursuit where attitude is literally everything. I'll finish with the words of the Menei Chalavavis. He says that the word bohem, he says the word bohem is referring to the pursuit. Shumachavin bohem. It's the way you choose to look at the efforts you're making. Not how you make those efforts, it's the way you see those efforts. And that is to say, if you make those same efforts, exact same efforts, but you do it, you view it, you see it as most people would, namely, the source of your success, you will certainly diminish and damage your betachen. It's not possible otherwise. The only way is to train yourself to view those efforts differently. 
And that's the only possibility that lo that it will not damage your trust, your betochen, your reliance on Hashem. In other words, don't for a moment think to yourself that I rely on my efforts. I know I'll be successful because I made these efforts. Don't think that. Rather, pursue all of those various things you have to. Because that's what God wants. Do it because that's what God wants. I follow the medical advice of the day because I am convinced as a Torah Jew that's what God wants. You think God wants something else? Okay. If you consider yourself a rabbi of a high caliber, I cannot. Welcome to your opinion. Maybe I'm not a rabbi of a high caliber, but I'm a somewhat of a rabbi. People ask me, Shilas, I hope I have a little help from heaven to see the truth. Rambam is very, very clear in Hilchus Deis by telling us we follow the medical information of the day. If this is what's called accurate medical information, it's in Hashem's hands. Everything is in Hashem's hands. I won't be healthy because I followed the advice of the doctors. I won't stay away from illness because I, f- I engage in the precautions. There are people who do precautions. Don't stay away from illness. That's not why I, I'm confident. It's not why I can live in a relaxed way. So why can you? Because I trust in Hashem. That's why. And why are you taking all these precautions? Because I'm supposed to. Well, why do you take it so seriously? Because it's part of my Yiddishkeit. I should take my Yiddishkeit seriously. If I take my Yiddishkeit seriously, then I should take these precautions seriously too because that's part of my Yiddishkeit. Now, you need to have a Rafi Yedid. You need to know that your doctor is talking to you from a medical perspective and not a different perspective. He's actually giving you an honest opinion based on science, on medicine. I, 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 can, I, can, I can hear all of that and I cannot dismiss it. But whatever the valid medical opinion is, that's what we follow. And we will be healthy in Meretz Hashem. Not because we followed it. Because Hashem will keep us healthy. We will follow it because Torah ordains that we should follow it. Torah says it's the right thing to do. There's a little counterintuitive. I can't tell you what it isn't. It does, without any question, to some degree, go against the grain of our innate humanity. But it is the fulfillment of our soul's aspirations. And you know what? That's what it's all about. And now, Rabbeinu Bachaya emphasizes on, the, so to speak, the flip side. He says, conversely, I told you what to think about. I told you how to view this. He says, Do not make the mistake of thinking. Don't think. Do not think that your success hinges on a particular pursuit or an action taken towards the fulfillment of that. 
don't believe in the cause and effect. Don't believe that that is where your success is going to come from necessarily. It may, if Hashem chooses to make that cause the source or the domino that brings about the effect. Or Hashem could choose something else. Don't rely on the actions you take. Rely on Hashem. Take the actions. Do them wholeheartedly, sincerely, honestly, with the full integrity. Imagine you're hired by a person to do a particular job. Say you're a stockbroker. You're being paid to give somebody financial advice. You can't then do it half-heartedly or stay up at night and fall asleep during the day when you're supposed to be giving analysis. You need to be well-rested. That's a halacha in the Shulchan Aruch, by the way. Watching YouTube videos when you're sitting in somebody else's nickel in your office, getting a salary, getting paid by the hour, is a violation of the code of Jewish law. Working with half your cylinders knocked out is a violation. It's called Arur Oysem Alocha You are living a counterfeit, fraudulent life. It's actually considered to be theft. Father Jacob worked for the worst employer in history. A swindling, dishonest, double-fisted, double-crossing double individual. Horrible guy. That's our Zaidi, love him. He tried to outwit, outfox Yaakov every single day of that business arrangement. By the way, Yaakov was very successful, in case you remember the story. Why? He says it explicitly in the scripture. He doesn't say, because I was smart. He doesn't say, because I was diligent. He doesn't say, because I outsmarted him back. He said, I did all those things. But you know why I was successful? Because Hashem made me successful. You have to do all those things. You can't get involved in the pursuit of your livelihood half-heartedly. You can't go through the motions because if you're going through the motions, God knows you're going through the motions and you probably know it too. And say, God, where's my livelihood? I'm going through the motions. God says, I didn't ask you to go through the motions. I asked you to really do this. You're supposed to do that. But don't rely on it. That's kind of hard. Because the human condition is, if I know what's riding on it, I try really hard. If nothing's riding on it, if it's not for points, well, I don't try so hard. Well, it is for points. But the points aren't the success. The points is the effort itself. Amazing idea. Not only is the effort involved in Yiddishkeit meaningful, the effort involved in worldly things is meaningful. When it's done, as a Yiddishkeit expression. And should a particular pursuit that you followed, a particular cause, a reason, something you thought was going to bring you profit. And if that pipeline suddenly goes dry, alright. It will be for another reason. It will come from somewhere else. Don't rely on it. Don't rely on it. Trust in Hashem. Rely only on God, not on yourself. Don't believe in yourself. It's called idolatry. Don't trust in yourself. That's not called betochen. Emunah and betochen, believing and trusting, 
are two sentiments that are supposed to flow in one direction only, towards Hashem. And if you trust in other things or believe in other entities, you're turning away from Hashem. And the moment you turn away from Hashem, you're already worshipping an idol. It's a tall order, but we have the strength. We can do this. Rabbeinu Bachaya continues to share his illuminating perspective. He says, Vyeda, and a person must know, we've already described this term in previous episodes, the difference between uh, the idea of just being aware of something or knowing it. To know is to make it a part of your very being. Vyeda, the person knows, it's a part of who he is. If God's doing it, it actually makes no difference which one of the efforts Hashem will choose to deliver the payload of success. It doesn't make a difference. It won't make a real difference. You still need to make it your best effort because Torah says so. That's not where you are going to get your success from. God will decide how effective it should or should not be. And when he decides, it's his timing. It's his volume. It's his level of efficacy. The way Hashem wants it, that's the way it's going to work. And it will be from whatever God decides. You're a good boy, good girl, you did your work. 99% of your effort was made in one area. 1% of your effort was made in another area because logically that's the way you had to behave. That was the strategic and appropriate thing. And the 99% of effort ends up producing 1% of profit. And the 1% of effort ends up producing 99% of the profit. And you did fantastic. Can't be such a thing. You've never seen it. Of course you have. Guess what? It's always like that. It's just sometimes Hashem decides to give you 99% of the profit to the 99% of the work you put into it. And by the way, it's oftentimes a big nesoyon. It's a big test. Because when 99% of the effort produces 99% of the profit, what do you think to yourself? so smart. I worked hard. I was prescient. I had the vision. Look at me. But when 1% of your efforts produces 99% of the profit, it's much harder to say I'm so smart. If I was so smart, why didn't I put more effort into that? Well, I, 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 I did 1%. I was pretty smart. I still invested. I invested 1%. It's a little harder. Don't worry. People can still do it. <laughs> and they, in fact, they do it all the time. Because this uh, life thing is a big test. It's very hard to do well in this game of life. I mean do well spiritually. It's very, very difficult. And it's very easy to get caught up, swept away in all the narishkeit. So Rabbeinu Bechaya says, don't make that mistake. 
Do we have a verse that says this actually? Besides the common logic? Yeah, we actually do. It's an open verse. It's found in the book of Shmuel, Shmuel Aleph. In the 14th chapter of the book of Shmuel Aleph, we hear about Yehonatan, and he has a very, very loyal aide. We don't know what his name is. It wasn't uncommon that famous warriors had very, very loyal, trusted aides. People who had literally risked their lives. And they could trust these people. They remained nameless, faceless, always in the shadows, ever a bridesmaid, never the bride. It's a certain personality. We don't know what his name is. But in Shmuel Aleph, in the 14th chapter, Shmuel says, Vayoymer Yehoinasan. Yehoinasan says, El Hanar, to that young lad, to that devotee, that aide de coup who was absolutely committed to him. Noise Kalov, he who carried his weaponry. You know, like these famous golf players that have a caddy. He said, L'cho v'na'abro el matzav ha'arelam. Let's go check out the situation of the uncircumcised. It's a euphemism for the enemy of the Jewish people at the time. It was a Canaanite people known as Pelishti. Nothing to do with modern-day Arabs who assume a similar-sounding name. That's just a, a Roman corruption of language. So let's go check out the matzav ha'arelam. Maybe Hashem's going to do for us. We're going to have success. Well, Yonatan, you're like two guys. There's a big army there. What do you mean? What do you mean maybe God's going to make it successful? Well, that's what Yonatan can do right now. So he's doing what he can do right now. And he says, and the scripture preserves these words for posterity because they're prophetically inclined. He says to him, Ki ein God doesn't have any obstacle. There's nothing that holds God's success back. Mitzudasian says ma'atzar comes from the term miniya. Nothing withholds. God doesn't have anything withholding. So God doesn't have anything that blocks him. Lahishia to bring salvation. Berav God can bring salvation to the nation of Israel through a small amount a tiny amount of warriors or not. Hashem fights those battles. I always found it interesting the commentary of the Mitsudas David here. He says, Ula Yasa. Maybe God will do. Do what? He says, Kitzer, the scripture here doesn't go into the details of the triumph of victory that Jonathan hoped for. Omar Ma. It doesn't say Mahadavrashiyasa. Because the point wasn't, he wasn't telling God what and how to do. The point was, Dovar Hatzarech, what we need now. What we need. What do we need? We need salvation now. King Saul needed salvation now. Jonathan says, I'm going to do my part. God? As long as I'm doing my part, whether it's large or small, it actually doesn't make a difference. You know, the city of Hebron was liberated by a rabbi with a pistol. I'm actually not exaggerating. You can, you can Google this. 
the chief rabbi of the IDF at the time, Rabbi Shlomo Gorin, Alava Shalom, was desperate to ride in to Hebron, to come home to this ancient Jewish city, King David's first capital, the city of the patriarchs and matriarchs. He wanted to be there. In the middle of the Six-Day War, he barely slept a few hours. And then he overslept. And he woke his driver and he said, let's go. We're going to Hebron. He was sure that the IDF had been there for two hours already. But unbeknownst to him, there was a delay. And he did what could have been fatal. An army jeep with a rabbi, a military rabbi, drove into Hebron. And the Arabs living there who had stolen Jewish homes in 1929 when they hacked to pieces and massacred almost 100 people. They... Uh, put white flags at the window. And they just said, we hope you're not taking revenge for what we did, for the homes we stole and the lives we butchered. They literally surrendered to one man with a pistol. They could have made him into mincemeat. And they wouldn't have even paid a price. But Hashem decided to show us something. To me, it's like a fascinating paradigm of what we read here. If Hashem wants to give us salvation, whether it's a lot or a little. And if Hashem doesn't want, and He won't grant us salvation, we can have all the might, the best of strategies. And it amounts to nothing. Because the power, the might, the acumen, and the strategy are not what actually brings success. It's just a pipeline. It's just the vessel. It's just the convention. And from this verse, we see that the convention actually doesn't make a difference. So without this verse, you think, well, you know, if you have a, a good convention... But then you have a better chance at success because you have a good convention. You're talking about two lone individuals, like Rabbi Gorin and his driver. Yonatan and his attendant. They're climbing a mountain, surreptitiously, obviously. They're not, they're not exactly flying their flag and telling everybody they're arriving. But they're, they're, they're climbing a mountain towards the Philistine, the Pilishti army to attack them. I mean, by any stretch of rhyme or reason, they have no chance to succeed, no reason to expect a military triumph or even survival. And yet, Yonatan encourages helper. He's a man of, who pulsates and radiates with faith and trust in Hashem. He says, nothing prevents Hashem. Nothing's going to prevent us. He'll save us. It doesn't matter if it's many or few. You need to like think about those words, that imagery, and let it sink in. And it doesn't matter what the battle's about. That's ultimately the truth about life, the Torah truth on how we view the realities that unfold before us. It's the first pasuk, it's the first verse that Abin Abhaya chooses to quote. Va'omar, and he says, and here, Rabbeinu Bechaya sends us off to a verse that's found in Chumash Dvarim, in Deuteronomy. 
in Parshas Ekev. It's chapter 9, verse 18. The verse says, and I quote, Ki hu hanotein la'asot choyel. Because he gives you the power to do valor. So what's the verse talking about? You know, you want to put this in context a little bit. The verse speaks about mindfulness. You could say um, remembering, being mindful, you know, mindset. If you go back to verse 12, Moshe Rabbeinu is speaking to the Jewish people in God's voice. He says, you know, you're going to eat and you get satiated, have nice homes, settle in, have flocks, abundant flocks. Cattle, your sheep, your buyan, they're all going to increase. You have a lot of money. That's a gold and silver. And then, everything increases. I once heard a Pelashavart, an adage, she goes like this. So, what is this? You have a lot of gold and silver, it's a euphemism for money. And this is and everything increases. He says, you know, it's very simple. People have money, they think that everything increases. They're very wise, they're very compassionate, they're very insightful, they have great advice, everybody asks them for advice. (laughs) You tell a a silly vignette of the rich man in the shtetl who became tragically the poor man, lost all his money. And he said to his wife, I I said, I don't understand. They used to come to me, everybody would come talk to me and ask my advice. I don't have the money, but I still have. I'm still the wise man. I, I still have good ideas. Nobody else seemed to think so anymore. But that's what happens when people get successful and they're very wellful. They, they you know, start to imagine things. All of a sudden, everything is aggrandized. Everything looks different when it's illuminated with your financial success. It may be darkened. And what happens then? The human condition is such your heart becomes stout and high with pride and you forget. You forget God who took you out of Mitzrayim. You forget God who took you through the vast, empty and dangerous wilderness filled with snakes and scorpions, endless thirst. You forget that God provided hydration. We talked about this in previous episodes. The whole desert sojourn experience was designed to give us the national memory and awareness of Hashem's sustaining us day by day. That was what the man is about. The manna, the manna, the man, only enough for that day. That's what the next verse is. Hamachil chaman, he gives you man. And what was it all? Laman anoyischa. He hungered, he made you hunger. He was a test, a test of faith, a litmus test of devotion. And it's all not because God wants to torture or torment you, but to make it good for you. This is for our benefit. Because you forget all these things. You say 
to yourself in your heart, Kochi v'otzem yadi, I am a success story. I did this. I made it happen. Almighty me. And here's the Pasuk that Abinu Bachaya chooses to quote. He says in the second half of the verse, remember, remember. God gives us that strength. I found a fascinating commentary from the Drasha Saran, the great Rishon Rabbeinu Nissen. Talking uh, 13th, 14th century. He says, if you go through these verses, you hear about a depiction of success, financial success. You talk about, about having, developing, building residuals, homes, you know, the things people pride themselves on. And you say, I did this. So the, the Ran says, why do people say that? Because they're, they're just like foolish. No, because it actually makes sense. You know, look at this person. See, he was a really smart investor. You know, he was very diligent. He woke up every morning at 4 a.m. He looked at the Hang Seng and he checked at the markets. This guy knew what he was doing. He did really well because he's smart. There's a reason that the person says, that you say in heart, my strength did this. He says, it is true. People have special talents. There are people who have a business knack. They, they, they just somehow smell a good deal. They have a, in, almost a business instinct. Some people for one pursuit or another pursuit, people are good at things. Rabbi Nebuchadnezzar himself told us we should look for something we're good at, something that resonates with our talent, with our skills. He says you've got people who are really smart, smart business people. They can give advice and investing. and They know how to reel in the profits. He says, There's a truth, Bitsadma. There's some truth here. The rich person can indeed say yes. It's not ridiculous. It's not foolish. Nobody will laugh at that. Everybody thinks it. It certainly seems to be that way. And Rabbeinu Nissen says, the Torah comes along and says, Im notwithstanding all of what we just said. Although you have that strength, you were given this ability by God himself. Remember, who gave you that strength? who gave you the wisdom to make that investment when you had that moment, that sheer epiphany, that moment of brilliance. Hashem gave it to you. There's a verse that says, Sometimes smart people do incredibly stupid things. So what did I do that for? What was I thinking? It's like destined to be. 
People say, ah, I'm so stupid. Why would I have more focus? Why didn't I do what I was supposed to do? If Hashem decided you weren't going to do it, He'd make you do the dumb thing. Maybe Hashem wanted to remind you who's in charge. Hashem wants you to know at all times, Mina Sonia Elecha. Where'd you get that wherewithal from? Where'd you get that strength from? The Zacharta, remember at all times, Es Hashem Elekecha. In every moment of life, think of Hashem. Think God is giving me the strength now, and because God is giving me the strength, that's why I'll be successful. It doesn't say, Vizacharta, remember, Ki Hashem Elekecha Neislachachoyo. Don't, doesn't say, remember, God gives valor, God gives strength. Because in that case, God gives, and you know, and I, I, we're partners. I have something to do with this too. The Torah says you don't. That's why the Torah uses this language. Although it seems to you like your strength and your skill, your wherewithal, your acumen, your insight is what brought you the success. Tisker Neisen Hakoyach Hahu. Who gave you that? God. And he gives it to you anew every moment. And he can take it away in a moment too. If Hashem favored and wanted to give it to you, that's why you got it. Heavy stuff. <laughs> As they say, this is not for the faint-hearted. It's not intuitive. It isn't. Much of Yiddishkeit isn't intuitive. Let me tell you what Rabbeinu Bachaya the second, Rabbeinu Bachaya Bereb Asher, several centuries later, after the original Rabbeinu Bachaya, back about six and a half centuries ago, he writes in his commentary in the Chumash. He says, It is all, all, from God alone. He gave you the strength. People say, I got lucky. He's a lucky guy. What does that mean, he says? Who gave you the good fortune? Who gave you the mazel? Who made that coincidence happen? Who enabled you to have these forces or powers that tripped success for you? That brought you all of this, this uh, wonderful bounty? This is an amazing thing, Rabbi Alehim. He made you able to co-opt and use these forces or abilities. God was giving you the strength at all times. And he goes into a whole discussion of whether yesh mazali Yisrael, ain mazali Yisrael. He deflects an opinion in Torah literature that some of this is said only about the nation and not about the individual. And he says, do not make the mistake of thinking that you actually are a partner with Hashem. Ha'oyshir nigzer min Hashemayim. Affluence, wealth, or success, whatever you may call it. Whether it's fame, fortune, or, or funding. I don't care. Whatever it is, whatever you call wealth, whatever you call success, whatever you call that which you want. The picture of your success story. He says, It's not only true about 
the, the plurality, it goes down to the individual. And he says, Prat l'chol yochid v'yochid yesh mazel. Every individual might have some good fortune. And the bottom line is that that good fortune is hu hanasein l'cha. It's not as if there's some good fortune you tapped into, some energy, positive energy you tapped into. And therefore, that's why everything seems to work for you. And you can say, See, I tapped into this. I used this. I made this happen. It's a synergy. God's blessing and my hard work. God's blessing and uh, my luck, my good fortune. Wrong. Do not fool yourself to think that it's a mirage. It's not true. The Torah says we have a sacred duty to remember. It's all coming from the Rebbeinu Shalolam. It's that supernal, godly mastery that's giving it to you. And there is nothing else. He says, don't say, mikra. don't say it's luck, happenstance. Some make it and some people don't. Some are successful and some fail. Wrong, he says. That's not correct. Hashem is making all of them. Hashem is telling us that everything is decreed from on high and from on high from Hashem comes Oishar or Oini, literally, Affluence or poverty, success or failure. That which we would see as bad and that which is good. This is the Pasuk Rabbeinu B'chai is quoting it. It's pretty clear what he's trying to say. The Omar and, says Rabbeinu B'chai, and there's yet another verse that he would like to have us focus on. A final verse for today, and with this we conclude the third chapter of the Chavis Halavavis Shara Betochen. He says, Ve'omar, and the prophet says, and this is one of the minor prophets, the second to the last, known as Zechariah, the prophet in the fourth chapter of his prophecies, where he speaks about the Jewish people coming back into the land of Eretz Yisrael, the reclamation of our homeland, and the various demoralizing events the seeming impossibilities and various things that impeded success, everything is falling apart. And Zechariah comes to fire up the people's imagination. Hashem gives him this prophecy. And in the prophecy is a vision. And there's olive trees over a menorah, and there's a bowl on either side, and the olives are, are flowing Oil flows from the olives into the bowls, into the menorah, and the menorah is ablaze. And the prophet says to him, he says, um, do you know what these are? Do you understand this image is being shown to you? And he says, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. No, my master, says Zechariah to the prophet who's narrating this. The angel is narrating the prophecy. Vayan vayimirelai. And so the angel answers and he says to me, Zed Varashem, 
This is the word of Hashem to Zerubbabel, who is a Sion at the house of David HaMelech, moving, coming back from Bavel to Eretz Yisrael, Lamer, as if to say to him, Loi Bechayel, not by might, Veloi Bekoyach, and not by power, Kiim Beruchi, but rather with my spirit. Omar Hashem's voice, says the Lord of hosts. And this is Rabbi Nebuchadnezzar's quote. What does mean Beruchi? The Marpa Lenefesh says that the meaning of Ruchi is Biritsoini. It's by my will. If you look in the Chumash, in the Tanakh, pardon me, Rashi speaks about this and he says, this imagery is a sign to guarantee to Zerubbabel the oil, nobody's pressing the oil. It's just like flowing out of the olives. Nobody's putting it, so to speak, into the bowls. Nobody's kindling the menorah. Not with strength, not with power. Not with the power you have. That's not how you're going to build this base of Migdash. In other words, the vision of this candelabra, the vision with the olive trees that are pouring forth in oil, they represent this blessing that is going to reach the Jewish people, but it will not come to them through military action. The reconstitution of the future Eretz Yisrael will not come by virtue of military might. In the vision, everything is happening by itself, or so it seems. Like on its own accord, <laughs> the oil just seems to emerge from the olives. It flows into the bowls and from there into the lamp and the menorah is kindled and there doesn't seem to be any human intervention. And the vision is a metaphor and it's a message. As, as the Mitsudas David puts it, he says what we're being told over here is take a look at this. You'll see success will come to you in the manner that this menorah is being kindled, it's being arranged and kindled. It's all happening by itself. Who picked the olives? I don't know. He says, Who crushed the olives? They've been crushed on their own. It goes into the gula, into the bowl by themselves. And somehow from the bowl, they're just pouring into the cups and the menorahs ablaze. As the Radak puts it, Nasa me'elov. It's happening as it were with no human intervention. Without any person preparing those lamps. And this is how my home will be built. Incidentally, the Mitzudah's David is quick to point out that this refers not to the second base of Migdash, but it's Kilo Amar Hashem Melech HaMashiach is actually talking about Messiah, who will be a descendant of Zerubbabel. What, my dear friends, is the point here? My dear friends, the point is that despite the fact that we have a responsibility to do lots of work, that's not where our success comes from. Listen to these incredible words that were written by the fifth Rebbe of the Chabad Lubavitch dynasty, the Rebbe Rashab Rabbi Shalom Dovber. At the turn of the last century, he writes in Kunta Sumayim, Hinei, you have these Bali Asokim, have these business people. Sha'iskim kol mayhem, they're working all day, their whole lives, b'masa, b'esek, in occupation, maso matan in commerce. 
They can talk about anything else. All they can talk is business. All they know is money. All they know. You can't even talk to them about lusts and pleasures. Nothing. It's just money. They don't know how to spend the money. They're just making the money. I said, There's nothing wrong with that. What's wrong with going to work? What's wrong with being a business person? Goes to work. He goes to work from, from sunrise to sunset. Or nightfall or midnight. What's wrong with that? Our sages say, It's not appropriate to sit and, and, and study Torah and expect somebody else to support you. You need to go to work. He goes to work. He says, but there are shtusim, kama shtusim, how much foolishness mitzada yetzahar. The yetzahar is so tragically successful. They're making people crazy. They're driving them out of their minds. And away from Hashem. Namely, this is the abundance of effort exerted in the pursuit of a livelihood. It occupies every free space, every inch of his hard drive. The whole thing is covered. So much so that it stops or prevents him from learning from davening with a minion. He has no time to daven. Are you joking? He should think about what he's saying. Nobody asked you to have deep mystical thoughts. Just Pirush Hamilis. You read the words of prayer. What did you just say? Just basics. I gotta go to work. I'm turning pages. I gotta run. I gotta run. We're well, running. Spend another 10 minutes. Spend another 15 minutes engrossing your prayers. Talk to Hashem for heaven's sake. That is the source of your livelihood. I refer you to the story of the Baal Shem Tev. The man's running from Shul. He's running from his livelihood. That he thinks that by spending more time actually listening to what he's saying and thinking about the words that he's saying that or Fuldavan with a minion that he'll lose his business opportunities. I'm not doing business. The store is closed. The office isn't open. The, the phone is quiet. I'm not getting my emails now. I know today you can sneak under the table while you're davening and look at your emails. And you think that that brings you a living. This is a remarkable, a wondrous stupidity. If a person will actually in kind of focus. Focus his heart, focus his mind. Lead us as to look carefully at what's going around. You'll see it yourself. Sometimes you do all kinds of wise things within the framework of pursuit of a livelihood and making a living. You did all this work, you have to show for it. And then sometimes, sometimes you did nothing. The 99 or the 80-20 rule. 80% of the things you did produce 20% of the profit. 20% of what you did produce 80%. This is in one second. Is it your work that's making you the profit? Or is it Hashem? Oh, it's just luck, Rabbi. Rabbi, that's just, just luck. Sometimes it's Murphy. Gets... There is no Murphy. There is no luck. Ki hu koyach My dear friends, this is straight scripture, so to speak. It's just without the writings of our rabbis, our sages, we don't even realize what we're missing. We don't even realize what Hashem is telling us so overtly. 
ובפרט להויה שכח על השם. If you wouldn't forget about Hashem, how many people forget about God because they're too busy, so to speak, making a living? Hashem is the one who gives you the ability, the wherewithal, to make valor. It's the blessing of God that brings that affluence of success. The engagement, the involvement. It's just a vessel. The blessing needs to be held by something. So you're creating the vehicle, the, con- the envelope, the convention in which to hold the blessing, but it's all Hashem's blessing. The etzem ho'esek, hurak b'derech ha'siyas kli, avalo iker, the main thing, berchas Hashem. Im kein, if so, if that's where the source of your blessing is, halitzarach li is moser l'Hashem, then you have to be given over to godliness. You have to be devoted to Hashem. Who has zonu b'farnas ha'esek? He says, make a vessel. That's all. That's not what we're talking about. I'll finish with some beautiful words from an editor, Sikh of the Rebbe. In Chelek Yudches of Lakuta Sikhis, it's a Sikh on Parshas Bolok. The Rebbe speaks about the idea of Virachas Hashem Alekecha Bacholashatasa, the blessing that requires effort. He quotes the Sifri which I read from the source in yesterday's episode. He says, We don't rely on miracles. Famous Gemara, Meseches Psachim. In multiple places, it's also talked about in the Zohar. We talked about this in, in, in previous episodes. And since, by the rules of nature that Hashem created, you got to do your part. You got to do your part. However, Although you have to do your part, we say, Cursed is the person who places security in a person. Because when you make the vessel, you don't rely on that mitzad atzmam emphasis. You don't rely on the vessel. Nor of Our trust is on Hashem. As ervetim helfen, God will help him. And dem kli v'levush, and he'll help him. He hopes he's making the effort. You're providing Hashem with the vessel. So Hashem can give you the blessing in Derech HaTeva. And the Rebbe says, this is the case in today's day and age. But when we'll come closer to the time of Mashiach, then we'll see a time where we won't even have to make that vessel, so to speak. And then there will be a time in which we'll see Hashem's hand in an overt fashion. The fact that we live in exilic reality and the fact that it seems that there is a zevizegorim or a partnership going on here doesn't take away from the fact of the matter. The faith fact is we believe everything comes from Hashem. And as long as you remain mindful of this, your betochen can be intact in as much as you invest the full required effort to be able to make a living 
and to see success in your occupation and in your career. And that, my dear friends, is what it's all about. Strengthen your betachen. Know the truth. Do all the things that have to be done with heaven in mind and in focus because that ensures you will never be distracted. Instead of giving attention to the smokescreen, the obfuscation, you could see right through it. When a yid lives like that, when a yid sees the truth like this, then it's a different kind of life. You don't get drunk on your own success. You don't get filled with self-pride, which comes before the fall. And you don't make the mistake of ruining the beautiful gifts of affluence, wealth, or success that Hashem gives us to be used for a holy and a sacred mission and purpose. Thanks for joining today. If you found that inspirational or you think that others could benefit, please take a moment to share. It's great to hear your feedback. I enjoy the likes. And I'd like to ask you to please help me build this channel. YouTube.com forward slash Rabbi Mendel Kaplan. Let's spread the word. Let's get more people to think about God. Let's get more people to build their betochen. Because that'll bring us to the time when we'll see Hashem's presence overtly in our lives. Bimheira ubi amenu. Speedily. And in our days, amen. Thank you again so much for joining today. I'm grateful. I look back to... I look forward to seeing you back again soon.